All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Equipped, Bruised, Tired podcast. I am one of your hosts, Bryce Krotchick, and I'm here with my good friend, Ryan Stinn. And um, yeah, how's uh, how's things going there, Ryan? Good. Yeah, life uh, life continues here in <laughs> segregation. I don't know what this is. Um, you know, it's uh, opening up a little bit here. We're hoping to get our gym open this weekend, but uh, we're working uh, tirelessly through trying to get insurance. Uh, mm-hmm. Our first uh, our first insurance, the company we were with before, basically was unable to get us insurance for adding on a gym to a uh, online retail store, which I guess makes sense uh, in some ways. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we went to a new company and they're working through it, but it's taking a little longer than we hoped. So we're going to delay the reopening a little bit, but uh, yeah, everything's pretty quiet here. So we're hoping to get going again, but uh, kind of got to wait till insurance. Uh, it'd be a shame to do something now and then not have it in place and have something happen. So yeah. So you guys are adding the new training facility onto the warehouse for inner strength. Yeah, so like okay. the building, the building inner strength is housed in had like another eighteen hundred square feet or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of basically absorbed that space and nice. and renovated it into uh, a gym space and and then since like unparalleled is our gym, mm-hmm. but uh, unparalleled really isn't. I shouldn't say it. It, it is and was a corporation but mm-hmm. only in name at this point. Um, right. So it's just easier to run everything through the businesses. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, we'll just run it through inner strength and, and do that, but definitely to get insurance. So I don't want to lose inner strength because someone gets hurt in the gym or something. Yeah. Is it going to be the inner strength gym then? Uh, I think we'll still call ourselves unparalleled. Um, okay. Just that's what we've always been. Even when we were in red goat, we still referred to ourselves as unparalleled. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's that's kind of the plan, at least. Cool. <laughs> how's your how's your new block? Your your high volume life? Starting to acclimate a little bit. <laughs> Although I'm just like I've been kind of un unmotivated. I guess would be a good word. You know, like sometimes you really want to go train. I'm mm-hmm. um, just not really feeling that lately, which is fine. Like I think that's just one of those phases you go through, and for sure. seeing the the cancellation of all of the meets except for Open Worlds, um, I'm just like really we we're gonna we're gonna keep hoping okay <laughs> and i, well, I think we shouldn't i have say a cancellation just canada won't be sending teams right okay yeah sorry i misspoke there although um, it should be i mean at this point i feel like cancellation should be inevitable especially for some of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but yeah especially like seeing that i'm just like what am i training for like why why am i doing this again yeah um but i think it's very much just like one of, it's you know just go, he's just going through a phase kind of thing um so i'm not like <laughs> i'm not gonna hang up the uh, emo phase hang up the squat suit or anything like that i mean it's it, it, it has been hanging since worlds but you know what yeah. i mean um not not thrown in the towel or anything but just like yeah just kind of going through the motions which I, I think is is fine uh i think a lot of people are really terrified of like being in that place but i think if you do this for any period of time you're going to end up doing some training from that place and you know, you just keep doing the training and things come back around and you get excited again because powerlifting is your life. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's yeah. Any, anytime you've been any, I assume any sport, I, I don't know. I've mm-hmm. only been in powerlifting really, but like, I want to say all the way through my training for nationals, it was basically 
zero motivation for it. Um, and you know, it, it just, you kind of do it cause that's what you do. Um, yeah. and it's yeah. not a, it's not something you want to be doing that forever like that, but sometimes that's just how it is, right? Other priorities, other things are on your mind. I'm yeah. the kind of person that just gets so singularly obsessed with something that yeah. everything else kind of falls away. So when I get obsessed with whatever it might be photography, uh, right now, espresso of all things, right. um, it's, it's just becomes like my singular focus and everything else is kind of just background noise. Yeah. So, you know, life that kind of, that kind of comes and goes. And, and I think I've always had times where training is, it, it's going, but it's not my priority. And me and Ray were just talking about this yesterday, actually, in that there's some people that compete and then take two months off, like just disappear from a gym for two months Yeah. versus, you know, We've always been like, well, we're in the gym and we're getting stuff done and, and you know, that's good. But but the question that I kind of bounced around my head was, are you better off to take those two months off, fully recover, heal, whatever, live your life and then come back like really hungry for it and train with like passion and purpose versus slogging through those two months of, you know, depression-based training. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's just... I, I don't have an answer for it. I don't know if there's ever been any kind of studies around something like this, but yeah. like you don't lose that much. Realistically, you take two months off, you know, you're going to lose a little bit, but you're not going to lose a ton. And uh, yeah. are you better off to, to have that really hungry mentality? Cause I mean, definitely when you're hungry for it and you're pushing a little harder, every set's a little bit more important. Mm-hmm. You're going to get bigger in gains than I would say, than, you know, going through the motions sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just something that kind of bounced and we had a chat with both yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a pretty interesting perspective. Um, but I think, yeah, that like the big thing is, uh, for me right now, the fact that I'm in like a volume block and it's basically just like, I'm just like putting check marks in my training log. You know what I mean? It's like, this was an RPE between seven and 8.5. And this, this, this was set one, set two, set seven, set eight. Like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of one of those things. So for me right now, I'll, I'll, eight? <laughs> uh, I'll like listen to some podcasts or listen to some of my, one of the books that I'm reading or listening to, I guess. Um, and it, it allows me to just like kind of, I don't know if distract myself while training is the right thing uh, or the right like way to put it, but it does seem to make those sessions a little more bearable and the fact that it's nothing crazy heavy that i really need to stay mentally focused and sharp for is like okay you know we'll go there we'll do it and then we're done and then we'll move on and yeah Uh, so i think for me it's probably the most productive way i could be approaching it right now um right and yeah i don't know it's uh the whole the whole like motivation versus habit type thing is a pretty interesting uh interesting topic to delve into and i think both kind of have their place yeah for sure that said uh, i'm super excited about my my single leg rdl work right now okay <laughs> 70 kilos for sets of 12 nice. uh, will ruin your day yeah and the next day probably as well no definitely yeah. the next day too but i really want to get to 100 kilos for a set of 12 and i don't know if it's possible for me in this block but that's my goal i, I believe in you <laughs> i don't know if i believe in my glutes <laughs> they really they really felt 70 kilos yeah i mean that's a that's a very interesting movement to try to be pulling off uh, i think i've done those like 
a couple of times as part of like some rehab thing I was trying to do for my hip at some point. And yeah, you're just like, you're hurting for like three days afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still feeling a little bit. deep yep. agreement there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we have any questions or anything this week? Uh, no, I don't think we had any questions this week. So okay. uh, we're very lonely. Feel free to send us questions at yeah. equippedbruisetired at gmail.com. We're lonely and we're both doing, <laughs> or I'm doing depression-based training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So go ahead and send us in some questions yeah. or well wishes. Uh, sure, yeah. You know, anything like Any that. encouragement to keep us going. <laughs> Tell me what your 1RM is on single leg RDLs so I can have, a, I can have a competition. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, yeah, if, if nothing else, then I'll just toss us into, uh, into the interview. Yeah. So, uh, our interview today was with Ellie Steele, who's a lifter from, uh, British powerlifting. And, um, one of the things that I found really impressive about Ellie was this, the, the sheer number of competitions under her belt. Um, she's reached close to or over in some cases, the world record numbers in the 57 kilo category and, uh, and is actually the highest ranked female equipped lifter in, in British powerlifting, the IPF affiliate. Um, we got into some interesting competitions about why she competes so often and maybe some of the merits of, especially as a more novice lifter doing a lot of competitions, um, and, and kind of touched on maybe the finite nature of competing at the top level and why that motivates her to do so many competitions, even, you know, where she is now. So, um, you know, in the, in the context of all competitions being canceled for the foreseeable future or for, you know, things being postponed at the very least, uh, I think it was a pretty interesting conversation that, uh, uh, you know, I certainly have, have taken some, some points from and have some things to think about as a, as a result of it. So, uh, yeah, we hope that everybody, uh, enjoys making their way through it. And without further ado, we hope you enjoy our interview with Ellie Steele. Yes. So, uh, first off, thank you very, very much for, uh, agreeing to spend some time with us today and talk lifting and equipped lifting and probably a couple other things. So, uh, thanks for, for coming on the podcast today, Ellie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so as with most of these things, I think we'll we'll probably start off with kind of your your journey to uh, this point and talk a little bit about you as a lifter. So can you give us a just sort of a brief, maybe a bit of a resume and um, sort of how you got into the sports and we can kind of explore that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, I started um, my sporting life as a highboard diver mm-hmm. um, and I did that. I started when I was eight years old. Um, uh, so I was sort of thrown right into training, conditioning, trampoline work, gymnastics from about that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was on the World Class Start program, which is a program of uh, it goes World Class Start, Junior Olympic Team, and then Olympic Team. Um, so I started on that. Um, and then when I was 15 years old, I had a, a diving accident, oh. um, which meant that I literally um stopped pretty pretty much overnight i tried to do one more competition after the accident and and i and i couldn't so um after that i it, the accident was um going inwards so you know when you're facing away from the board and you you jump backwards and, and mm-hmm. spin like so a, ga- it was, a gainer is that a gainer Oh, I, that the, that. That's probably not the correct term, but <laughs> well, yeah, maybe I was I was doing a gainer, and um, and I I 
I lost where I was in the somersault from 10 meters. Um, and I came out and landed flat on my back. Um, I was rushed to hospital and, um, it was quite traumatic. It was the only time my mum and dad had had come to watch me train together. And and I did it on that day. So I spent a little time in hospital after that. And um, and then I, I stopped everything altogether. Um, and then I went to university. And I since then, I was always trying to uh, find a sport that I could get to a similar level in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried judo, uh, rugby, CrossFit. Um, and then I took up, I did a, an amateur strongwoman competition just for fun at the gym and I liked it, but being only five feet tall, I couldn't load anything onto any sort of platform. Um, so, uh, so somebody said, have you thought about powerlifting? So I, um, and then it was really good luck actually, because I, I came across my coach still today, uh, a guy called Dean Burring. I came across him in a at, a at a gym and he's he put me in contact with a coach near where I lived at the time it's a place called Birmingham uh his name's Aaron Singh and I started training with him and then literally um made the British team within the first first year and I, I've never looked back really but yeah I've always tried to find a sport that I could compete at in at the same sort of level Mm-hmm. So you've always been pretty competitive. Hey, was that something that you, you kind of learned early on or was that, is that just kind of your nature? Um, I think, I think it's probably my nature. Um, but yeah, whatever I, whatever I've ever wanted to do, I've, I've wanted to put a hundred percent into it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's probably inbuilt. In, if, if we go on holiday and, and, me and my sister have done something called swimming pool Olympics mm-hmm. and it gets quite competitive. And then, you know, a week later we're still trying to beat each other <laughs> at something. So, so it's funny. It's funny you mentioned your sister. Cause I actually, one of the things that I do to prepare for these is that I, I, I deep dive people's Instagrams and, and take a, a look through all of the stuff. And I saw <laughs> you boxing your sister. Oh, how did how did that come around? Was that just another one of those uh, yeah. family challenge kind of things, or yeah, like Sunday lunch over the road? She said, "I think I could beat you in a fight." I said, <laughs> I, "I don't think you can." And then uh, so the next day we went down to the to the gym, and it was a boxing gym, and uh, we put gloves on, and um, we thought, well, "Well, let's see who wins." Who do you feel like won that? Who came out victorious? Me. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think there was a one point where I was like windmilling. Um, and I think yeah. at that point I had the edge and, um, and yeah, I don't think she's ever recovered fully since. <laughs> As for Bart Simpson, that's a valid strategy. The windmill. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah similar. Exactly. Yeah. So let me yeah. be the first to say that like high board diving sounds terrifying. I can't even imagine. I have a, vague memory of it as a child of climbing off of the high board at the pool because I wouldn't jump off of it. The other uh, way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The back yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's real or if it's just like this reoccurring nightmare I have. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the injury, does it, I assume it's something in the neck um, back. or back. Yeah. yeah Do you still have lingering back. effects for that? No, no. I think, I think actually one of the, 
the most surprising things from the injury was straight afterwards, I had the full imprint of the swimming costume on my back. Um, because it really is like hitting concrete from 10 meters if it if it goes wrong. Um, but but touch wood, uh, no, absolutely. Um, I had hip displacement at the time. Um, but then obviously, quite a few years off probably fixed itself. Um, and ever since then, no, no, no lasting physical injuries, but still, still a, a reoccurring nightmare, actually. Um, which is which is even so I, I finished 13 years ago and I still I still wake up in the night and I've I've landed wrong in the somersault again so so it's definitely something that that's affected me but it gave me all that core strength it's explosive power and it's core strength so mm-hmm. it transferred quite nicely yeah. and I assume a lot of like body awareness and like that sort of thing positional awareness do you think that carries over into powerlifting a lot yeah, I think so. I think so. Part part of the accident. Um, so after I did it, the um, I had a competition in Barcelona about uh, maybe two or three months afterwards, and I tried to. I went. I flew over, and the very first dive I did, I lost my my place in somersault again, and then the weirdest thing happened. For about the next six months, I lost my spatial awareness. And I and I don't know of anybody mm. else that's lost that, but I couldn't judge distances for for quite a long time afterwards. Um, but in terms of power powerlifting, it's definitely the core strength, explosive strength, and with all the sports, it's like the ability to just to be yeah, just really aware of yourself and feeling like physically, like in rugby, for example, just knowing that you can hold yourself and you've got the just kind of made you a, a well-rounded athlete, I think. I think that's what diving did for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So in terms of that sort of initial exposure to lifting, um, obviously you mentioned Dean, and uh, he's, a, he's a well-known and very successful equipped lifter there in the UK. Um, was your introduction to powerlifting initially equipped, or did you train raw for a while and then get into it? Uh, what did that sort of progression look like from you going in and starting to work with your coach uh near Birmingham um so I mean the, the nice thing for him was I was a completely uh blank canvas so mm-hmm. right from the start I, I I'd never tried powerlifting so there was no bad habits I hadn't even attempted it myself in the in the gym right. so um so for him I was complete a complete complete clean slate um and we I, I knew about equipped powerlifting because I knew of some of the Aaron always used to talk about Clive Henry I don't know if that name rings a bell um uh so, some of the powerlifters and all he ever knew competitions before me was was equipped powerlifting so I knew about it but we didn't train in any kit probably for a probably for a good six to eight months. Um, but it didn't, it never felt like something I was introduced to. It was just something that was just going to happen. When, once I got stronger and once my technique got better, mm-hmm. then I was then just putting it in a bench shirt, putting a squat suit. So it was never like, I've obviously listened to some of the podcasts before. There was never like a big, Ooh, shall I try it? It mm-hmm. was just something that I was going to do because Aaron had only ever coached equipped powerlifters. So, right. so it was it was never daunting for me. It was just something that I was going to naturally progress onto because, yeah. because you know, it's that's, it, that's it's great to do. Yeah. Yeah. So just to 
Bryce, I, I, you know who Aaron is, but I don't think you know who Aaron is. It's he's the uh, he was or was the head coach for. I think maybe is he still the head coach, Ellie, for the equip no, team? No, Dean is. Dean now. is now. So yeah, I've, I've been lucky. Okay. Yeah. So Aaron, Aaron was the head coach for years. You've met. I'm sure you met Aaron in um, both uh, Dubai and in Czech. So okay. he, he's always walking around with a cup of tea. So. Yeah. And a kettle usually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, there's a little plug socket in the corner of the room and there's his little tea yeah. station. Yeah. <laughs> um do you remember your first couple of times or your first time in equipment and what that was like for you? Was it a a big uh, sort of eye opening experience or were you pretty well mentally prepared and you were like, Yep, yeah, this is about what it should be kind of thing? Yeah, my stuff was was wasn't tight, so my stuff was actually Phil Richards' old stuff. Um, so I I put his things on, and it just felt like it was helping me a little bit. But there was no, I wasn't shocked by anything. I just thought, oh, this is good. I've added an extra ten kilos to my to my bench. I've added, you know, fifteen kilos to my squad or whatever. And I thought, um, but I do remember the first competition because I was struggling to make weight weight and um my mum suggested that I eat prunes and dates the night before and and I and I you shouldn't take nutrition advice from your mum but I was like okay yeah good idea and so I ate a lot of prunes and dates and then then you're then you're in the soup so make of that what you will (laughs) definitely not taking advice from your mom because apparently that's not that's not the way to go no don't do that But um, yeah, no, it was nothing daunting. It was just, it's just, it's always been good. It's always good fun. That's awesome to hear. So yeah. in like kind of going back through your competition history, um, you compete very frequently. So I, I think you average like seven or eight meets a year for the last six years or so. Do you, do you just really like competing or do you, do you find it really helps you to stay tuned in to the, to the platform? Um, I think there's a, there's a, there was actually one time where I did three competitions in three weekends, and two of those were internationals, because I went stri- straight from Barcelona to that would have been uh, that, the, the West, Arnold there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, to the Western European Cup, or the other way around, and the British was the weekend before, and I lifted well all three times. Um, but I think I think for me, it's just not knowing when when it will end. So. I'm trying to do absolutely everything I can. Um, I think because the diving was such a, a abrupt ending, and that was years of training to just not come to anything. Um, it, actually, I did my university dissertation on the effects of elite level retirement for athletes, and just mm-hmm. how it just how it um, affects you mentally. So I think for me, it's I do love competing. But it's mainly that I'd, I could be injured next year. So let's try and do everything I can. And, and whilst it works, uh, I'll keep doing it, I think. Yeah. And so is that something that... Uh, that so you, you coach some lifters too, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So is that a strategy that you try to employ with your lifters to get a lot of that competition experience stacked yeah. up early on so that you can kind of... Yeah? Definitely, yeah. I, I As soon as... As soon as I think they're ready, I think uh, I try and get them into as many as, as they can. Because I, what it, what annoys me is mistakes like missing the press command mm. a year and a half, two years in. You know, that shouldn't be happening. 
like get into those good competition habits right from the start, right from when you when they're ready. Um, and and also it just builds up that if you, if you do six or seven a year, you're nowhere near as nervous and you don't you, you think, oh, well, I did well at the last one. So there's not so much riding on it. Right. So I think for me mentally, it's like, oh, well, it's just another competition. So right. so I, I try try not to put too much of my soul in into it because you know there's there's plenty more to come right and if something does go wrong well heck you got one next weekend so you can make exactly. up for it right? <laughs> exactly. yeah every, no one will even care about this one next week <laughs> uh, that's yeah. cool i mean that that kind of runs counter to a lot of people's uh sort of outlook on things and especially when you when you start talking about equipped lifting um how do you find that influences or impacts your your training do you find that disruptive or you find you've pretty much come up with a good system to help you train while competing and, and you just kind of stay peaked always? Yeah, I, I never train to peak. I don't mm -hmm. think I may, maybe I do. Maybe Dean is doing that, but I'm not aware of it. I'm right. always in a position ready to compete. So if you said tomorrow, Ellie, get your tiny, tiny squat suit on and let's let's go all out. I would I'd be like. That's good because I feel ready because I feel I feel ready all year round. So right. and mentally that that's good for me as as well. With my training, I, I don't train in, in a suit. I put it on two weeks before. That's it. Uh, OK, OK. That was my next question. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't um, I I my techniques the same more and equip. So I just put it on and, and I'm ready to go. OK, really now. Um, at the, the British championships this January, uh, you hit some pretty big numbers, uh, as a, as a very light 63, um, I think 58 kilos yes. thereabouts. Uh, yeah. are you thinking at all or competing or, or sorry, uh, considering moving up to 63 at some point? What are you, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I don't think, um, I mean, when I started lifting, I was, I was 54, 55 kilos mm -hmm. and I mean, I'm not saying I'm I'm that old, but it's definitely getting harder to lose the weight sure. as I get a little older. Um, but that next jump is so huge. When you see what those 63 kilo girls are doing, look at right. that. You know, Larissa Solobiova. Mm -hmm. I mean, that for me is 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 such a huge jump. If I can if I can clean up my diet, so the 58 kilos because it's mm -hmm. just after Christmas. I I can't be. <laughs> I can't all right, all right. After, under that after Christmas. So if right. I cleaned up my diet for two to three weeks, I'd get back down. Okay. Yeah. So right. do you do much of like a water cut or is it just purely a diet change? Yeah, I just stop eating chocolate. <laughs> so, so you're pretty much at comp weight like a week or two out then? You're not like... Yeah, I try to be so the week if if the week before I'm waking up at 58 kilos, I know it's going to be tight, but I think I can do it. Mm -hmm. And there has been a time in Sweden, the raw worlds in Sweden last year, I stepped on the scales and I was like, what? And um, and I was I was half a kilo over on competition day. So that was quite stressful. So I have mm -hmm. mistimed it before. But what it all comes down to is whether I'm 
organized enough so I need to start thinking about it three weeks before but sometimes I'm guilty of going I'll I'll start it next week Mm. and then um and then I'm in I can film then the pressure's on right Um, but in some ways I quite like that because it's like oh is it gonna happen you know it just adds to it all (laughs) yeah so So you actually uh, go ahead Ryan sorry you actually squat like two and a half kilos under the 57 world record and actually surpassed the 57 bench world record. So, and you're basically saying like, you're only just didn't diet cause it was Christmas time. So, um, do you think that the kilo body weight made any kind of difference for you? Like, do you notice a difference in your body weight as you diet that, yeah. that bit down? Yeah, I do. That's the most annoying thing about the whole process is Dean and I, we have a theory that everybody has their perfect weight. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, everybody kind of has a weight there. They feel good. They feel strong. I like to feel like a little white, like thicker on my stomach because I like that pushing against the, the belt. Mm-hmm. And I think my perfect weight is 57, sorry, 58 kilos. So, and, and I, I don't know whether I've got that in my head now that, oh, I, I've, I've dropped down a kilo. So now I feel different, but I, I do definitely feel much stronger at, 58 kilos that's not to say I I still definitely think I'm capable of doing those lifts a kilo lighter but everything just felt right on that day the suit was tight and I I have real um I have like an obsessive compulsive disorder with my squat suit you know if I put it on in the warm-up room and it's and it doesn't feel the same that it did two weeks I'm like oh my goodness that's it I'm not going to be able to even do my opener um, so I like to really fill out my suits and that's where the 58 kilos really works for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's annoying, but I, I need to crack that. If I want to push on, I, I have to try and crack that feeling strong at a full 57 and get it out of my head that, oh, but I'm not really filling out my squat suit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah. if, uh, if doing something like a one kilo water cut and then getting back up to 58 before you get on the platform, if something like that might work or, would, or be that, an idea. Yeah, I, I definitely would, would try that. Um, I, I mean, the thing is that I'm so uninterested in, in food and nutrition and stuff. Like, If I actually worked with somebody, I'd probably, I probably would, I'd, it would obviously be easier but, you know, I, I still am taking my mom's nutrition advice. <laughs> it's just prunes and dates. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Dean's probably done a lot of water cuts. So. Oh, God. <laughs> he, dropped something like, he dropped something like eight kilos in, in, in two weeks before the British in January. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Yeah. It, it was, it was in, insane. But, um, but yeah. No, I, I think a water cut would, would be perfect. I just need to... I need to to commit to something but mm. that would make sense because if I was just a little dehydrated at the time and then I was back up in my head automatically I'd be like oh I'm 58 kilos I'm gonna do those lifts I did in January right yeah so you're a bit of a, a multi-sport athlete right you, you've kind of done a lot in the past and even within strength sports um Ryan and I found that you did a, a bodybuilding show for the first time in what 2019 in August. Yeah, Does that sound about right. Mm, yeah, no, that was right. Yeah. So what? August last year. What was that? Uh, what was that prep like? How did you find it? Um, comparing to powerlifting and and 
I mean, you just said you're still taking your mom's nutrition advice. Were were prunes and dates like the secret to to that uh, that kind of physique? Or yeah, can you let us in a little bit on on some of that experience? So that was interesting. I've I've always loved. I mean, everybody, all my training partners. There's no secret that I love to do a bit of a pump at the end. I like that pump feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've always followed a few bodybuilders because I, I just think it's impressive. And I've always wondered what I could, what sort of shape I could get into. But I, I only actually gave myself eight weeks. So, um, so I, what did I do? I, I started off, uh, the, the training obviously changed. I was doing tens with the squat and things like that. Um, but it was really just for a laugh. And I cut out carbs. I cut out carbs pretty much the whole time. Um, and I felt I had headaches for the first three, four days. It was clearly some sort of withdrawal. And then I felt amazing. And then I think I reintroduced carbs at the end. But it was just something I've always wanted to do. And like I said before, you know, I just didn't know if I'd get the chance to do it because I still. I still want to have a baby maybe in the next few years or something. So I wanted to to have a go at it to see exactly what sort of shape I could get into with just eight weeks and just for a laugh and just see, um, see what, what the process was. But it was the strangest day of my life. Um, everybody was like in pants in the car park doing press ups and spraying each other and um, oiling each other up. Um, and you you're allowed to drink you can drink white wine that i drank white wine the night before and on the day because it dries you out so you can be drunk you can <laughs> you can do the sport and you can just have a really good day so awesome. i enjoyed it <laughs> yeah so yeah. um do you remember what your body weight was when you actually were like getting on stage sort of thing like how low did you get down 55 kilos so so not that low I mean if I had put more time into it, I think my upper body was was quite good but my my legs and my bum they were never going to come in uh, you know with with eight weeks um and to be honest with you um although although I committed to the diet uh, that was that was just hard that was, was and and everybody thought because there's an ongoing joke that I don't really stick to things, but everybody thought that I might then transition into, into bodybuilding. But as soon as I came off the stage, I was like, this isn't powerlifting. I've just, I haven't got the same buzz. You know, it's not, it is cool what I've done, but it's not like, whoa, you know, anybody can bodybuild, I think. And not any, everybody could can right. do an equipped squat or an equipped bench or I don't, I don't think I can bodybuild. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it would take Ryan and I more than eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I have enough years left in my life for that. So. <laughs> New challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so just looking at that, like from what I can see that time between, cause you did classic worlds in 19 and then bodybuilding show in August and then equipped worlds in November. So that would have been, that was about a five to six month time off competition which as far as i can tell is about as long as you ever took off competition um did you did you find that that having never taken such a long break did you find that you had more stage nerves coming back onto the powerlifting scene um yes so do you mean before the dubai before yeah sorry before dubai yeah yeah Yeah, i did um 
I think I think the whole build up to that competition was insane. I think the fact that it was in Dubai and that was, you know, in your head is quite a glamorous place and it's going to be hot and there's going to be shakes there and all, all that sort of thing. You know, and I got to the venue and there was parrots outside and I was like, wow, I, I know this is so cool. Uh, and I think, yeah, the whole build up to that, I was hoping to I was hoping to do well. I didn't quite know what I was capable of. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was very nervous for that one. I think that stage was quite daunting as well. I don't know what you guys think, but that whole setup, because you couldn't really see anything out the front. It was quite dark. Um, and that whole process, and you know how big that venue was. I was I got lost for about an hour the oh, first yeah. day. Yeah. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find the way in. Um, I didn't really know where to eat the night before. Um, so the whole process of that was was quite scary. And then you get there, you start warming up, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, this is what I do. You know? <laughs> so I think kind of staying with Dubai, since we kind of got on that topic, um, you, uh, you had like a pretty darn amazing meet going on you placed third in squat uh silver in the bench uh, and then you had trouble on your deadlift you only got your opener deadlift um yeah. do you remember what happened on your second and third like it looked to me like you're kind of stuck out front or something like that do you remember yes. exactly kind of what you're feeling i do remember so I, i've actually never watched those last two deadlifts back because i've never watched a lift back that i failed because i've got quite a vivid imagination and i, I don't want that in my head Okay. If that makes sense. So I've never actually watched anything I've failed, which is probably where I'm going wrong. Because if I watched it, <laughs> I would know. Um, but I, 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 I think there's a few reasons why I didn't get the second deadlift. I think, firstly, nobody takes into account how knackered I was after the squat. And I really was feeling it. And the bench. I, at, by the time it comes to the deadlift, I really have to dig so deep physically um i think another another point in it was i was too far forward i i just didn't get my chest through and i was trying to live from a really awkward forward position all the cues about sitting back weight on your heels outside of the feet weren't there uh the other thing was that I, yeah, I simply don't think I was strong enough for that lift on the day. And the other thing was I was sorting my suits out. I don't know whether this, this is, this is the situation, but I was sorting my suits out the other day. And I noticed that that deadlift suit, I deadlifted sumo in Dubai, was a conventional suit. I just didn't read the ticket, the, the thing. Oh, okay. So we, obviously, we got handed our suits and I never thought to check the inside, but it was a conventional suit, which maybe was pulling me into a slightly different position. I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, but looking at, there's a still photo of me um, on that second deadlift, and I can just see I'm just forward. There is no, I'm not even trying to get my chest up, my hips down. I'm, not, I'm just not doing it. So it, that was frustrating because it was the first time I've ever seen my name at the top coming out of the, um, you know, squat, squat and bench. And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, my God, I, I've been that person that's always been just outside top three, always just outside top five. And I went and I looked at the board and the South African guy, you know, the 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 big South African 
guy, the ref. Hanny. You know, yep. Yes. Came round and he, and he looked at me and he looked at the board and he went, wow, you're strong. And I thought, oh my God, yeah, maybe I am strong. Because <laughs> it hadn't really dawned on me that I was even capable of being at the top um, until that point. And then, and then, you know, that second deadlift, then I get stuck in the same position again and again. And you just, there's just nowhere you can, you can go from that position if you're not, you know. So, so I, and this has happened numerous occasions and it, it's, it gets really tough when you, uh, my name literally went like this, do, 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 like down. And then you're like, oh, well, that's annoying. Cause I was, I really thought I was, it definitely, top five you know if I'd I should have called one seven five I've done that many times and if I'd have done that and then pulled 180 then I I really would have been up there so so I just need to I need to work on that weakness because it's it's got the better of me so many times yeah Those damn damn deadlift specialists <laughs> I <know. laughs> yeah I know right um so sticking with the death like watching your recent uh training you're pulling like 165 kilos for a triple paused uh which is that's pretty darn close to like i mean that's what you pulled at worlds have you really um like redoubled your efforts on deadlifts try and really push it up or are you just naturally that strong raw and then you have trouble with this deadlift suit sort of yeah, I, th- I think it's a bit of both. I think I think partly I've been training at weights that have been too light. In my in my head, everything feels heavy on the deadlift, and I watch a video back and I'm like, that wasn't heavy at all. But but you know, it's become a bit of a thing now, and I'm like, it is the one thing I don't want to train. So that's the other issue. Um, so as soon as lockdown happened, I thought this is now time. I was only actually training three times a week, but I thought this is now time. Oh, it's okay. I think he just drops up. Sorry, keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, this is now time to really work on on the, my weaknesses. So I usually always do two bench chest sessions over a squat or deadlift session, but I changed it and I've been doing two deadlift sessions a week: one conventional, one sumo. And I've actually been going to weights that are heavy rather than what I believe is training weights. Um, And I've been, and then all of a sudden it seems to have worked really well. And another thing, I don't know about you guys, but you can, you can start taking apart your deadlift so much that in the end you're like, what do I actually have to do? I'm so confused. I've heard all these different things. And if I had gone back to my deadlift three years ago when I didn't have all these things in my head, it was they were cleaner, they were more positive. So I think I've gone backwards on the deadlift until now. I think now I've pushed through. My training weights are now over 160, which is where they, they sh- probably should have been a year ago. And I'm pushing forward. But the other flip side of that is I just I just don't like the deadlift suit. Um, it, I don't know whether you guys have ever experienced this, but I get really itchy skin after the squat suit. Um, and the the deadlift suit just aggravates my, my legs. And actually, by something that you said, the more uncomfortable the setup on the deadlift, generally the better the, the better position you're in. 
Yeah. And I think at the end, I'm so tired. I think this is, this really hurts. I'm just going to try and deadlift this from this really forward, awkward position. See if I get it. And yeah. I don't. <laughs> so, so yeah. I think it's really possible to to kind of overcue yourself and over inundate yourself with corrections, um, and I've definitely experienced that with clients. I'm sure that uh, that both of you two have as well, where you kind of try to fix something and you get so far from things that were originally kind of natural, and you end up just kind of coming full circle. And you know, hopefully, some of that stuff kind of works itself out, and you can get back to. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, just just. Put your hands on the bar and stand up real hard kind of idea. You know what I mean? I know, a lot of times we, we, we overcomplicate things and it's, it's good to break those things down and, and look at the details. But, you know, by the time you get to meet day, you pretty much just have to be able to go out there and just deadlift. I know. And the other thing is, is like, is with my feet, you know, I was bringing them in. I was taking them out to the plates and I was seeing how somebody else deadlift and thinking, oh, I, I want to try that. And then I gave myself a hamstring problem, I think, doing that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Just, just yeah, I, think, I think I just have to take it right, right back again. Well, especially after so many competitions and so much experience and so much time and so much practice. Like, yeah. you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dean would argue otherwise, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to jump back just for one second because you said that um... – by the time you get to deadlifting competition, you're you're knackered, which is British for tired. Um, yeah. <laughs> and is that something you've tried to address with your meat day nutrition through the years? Or do you think it's just a physical, like, because I mean, I, you're squatting like four times body weight, you're benching three times body weight, like, like it's physically a, a large toll. But have you found better success with different nutrition strategies? Um. Have you tried so, ditching the pl- the uh, prunes and, and dates? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing with the food is is I um so I'm the per the one person on the team that doesn't bring any food. Oh, you're that person. <laughs> yeah, you know that one that's that's I sit there and I say, Oh, what have you got in your bag? And they show me, I go, Oh, have you got any spare? And Can then I have one of those? people Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm that person. So I, on the day of the competition, I'm usually eating something I've never even tried before. But I think, well, they're eating it and they probably have done their research, whereas I haven't. So that will work for me. Um, I remember Kimmy, um, Kimmy Johnson once drinking a rock star. And I was like, I need one of those because she has one. I think I have like food envy and then I just copy whatever the person next to me is eating. So what I probably should do is actually find what works for me and bring that with me. I should yeah. do that. But for some reason, I think I'm, I'm like, I'm the person that, that's always at the Pilsen breakfast bar trying to find a banana, one banana, and I'll keep that banana for three days. And then on the day of the competition, <laughs> Uh, that's what I eat so but yeah you're right I, I'm you know I'm learning a lot from you guys there's a lot of things I, I have to do now I, I I should address that the food um and 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 then I think as well the other issue is whatever I have if I do have an energy drink or something I've struggled before coming down the other side 
you know, I right. really, I really get affected by that. And I think, oh, it's deadlift. Um, now I need the most energy. Now I'll have another energy drink or something. So I, I do just need to, if I can get that right and get the weight before competition right, if I have a good day, I, I, I really do believe I could, I could just, I could just push past this bit now, and then, and then I'd be kind of top three territory. But yeah. I just need to get it all right. I think yeah. um, in Pilsen, you should have had a slimy sandwich. Uh, I believe <laughs> yes. that's, the secret. that's the trick. That's the secret, yeah. Oh, man, that changed my life. <laughs> that sandwich changed my life. Changed my weigh-in strategy anyways. <laughs> it's the lovely sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They have them in the, in the like, Pilsen Hotel Lobby Deli or, or whatever, the bar. <laughs> and uh, it was literally just a salami and pickle sandwich, and I've I've done my best to recreate those every time I've had to cut weight. So as soon as I weigh in, I have my salami and pickle sandwich, and something about the sodium and the fat, and uh, yeah, man, that's just. So there you go. Maybe that's a place to start. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, if there's one place to start, I mean, we've been there enough times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was supposed to be getting married this year I was thinking oh I could have that as my wedding venue because I've been there so many times I know all the best rooms <laughs> right <laughs> so <laughs> um so That's I, had, I have another hi cat <laughs> uh, I have another I uh, Instagram deep dive uh that I that I managed to pull up a little interesting bit of trivia so you you posted a sort of a before and after photo of yourself previously and yourself now and the previous photo was from when you were living in the African bush Oh yes oh yes Can you I tell us a I... bit about about that and that time in your life and that experience Yeah so when I left um when I left sixth form um, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I've always, um, loved animals, even though I just pushed my cat off the table. I don't know if you saw that. Um, um, most people I've can't always... see that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, um, I've always loved animals and I thought I wanted to be a game ranger. Oh, okay. Um, so I went over to Africa and I did my level one game ranger, um, course, which is sort of tracking animals, um, uh, it, it it was amazing. It was probably the, the best six months of my life. Um, and in that time, you you just you just you get used to living without any technology, no phones, no TV, no internet. Um, I put on a, a quite a lot of weight in that time, but I was happy. Mm. And um, and I've just always loved the idea of living out in the bush. Um, and you know love wildlife love the sun so it all made made sense to me um and I was offered a job out there but it was actually it was leopard tracking and I was okay. would, would have been in an office um and I it wasn't quite what I wanted to do so that's when I came back and then decided to go to university oh, okay cool yeah it was good though really good so you said, um, and just so everyone understands, because I don't know what it means, you said after you finished sixth form? Oh, um, so from school, um, you, it's those two years. It's We do our A-levels. Do you guys have A-levels? No. Oh, so it's in between university and last year of school. Some people go to college over okay. here. We call it college as well. Yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, I called it call it sixth form, but it was that kind of age. So maybe 17, 18. Right. All right. That kind of age. Okay. 
I'll plead yeah. ignorance when I have to. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to kind of like, I guess, wrap up that section before we get into talking some more specifics about equipped, uh, like the equipment that you use. Um, I know that from a lot of the people that I've, I've spoken to and I, I spent a very brief period of time in the UK, um, it, like equipped lifting isn't huge there, hey? No, it's not. Um, and the equipped lifters that we do have have been around for years. Mm -hmm. And it's those equipped lifters that are trying to get other equipped lifters into the sport. So, no, it's it's not as big as, as we'd like. I mean, the British numbers are sometimes a, a little bit sad. And But then you go to a world championships and you see how many people are doing it all over the world. But for, for some reason in the UK, war lifting is huge. Mm -hmm. And how do you... Really big. Like, do you see that starting to change over the last little while? Or are you starting to see an influx of, of newer lifters? Or is that kind of still on its yeah, way, I think, hopefully? I think so. I mean, I, I'm, I think anybody who lifts equipped will agree that there's a real community spirit with equipped lifters. And in yeah. the UK, it's huge. You know, we're, we're all on the same chat. Um, everybody is posting equipment to each other, secondhand equipment all over the country because, you know, you can advertise, I need a, an angle sleeve, whatever, and three people will message you and say, I know somebody who's got that. They can, I'm sure they can post it to you. Um, right. So, yeah, so there's a, there's a real great spirit of equipped lifting. But for some, it, some of the kit in the UK is like gold dust, some, especially for the smaller women. It's really hard to get hold of, right. um, and I think that's a huge barrier. Um, and also, I mean, SBD is a British company, yeah, and they do a lot all over, all over the UK. Uh, and and I think everybody sees SBD and and more powerlifting comes to mind. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's a shame. But but and I think a lot of people is you know people, you know, not not really not really understanding what it's about um, and thinking it's they don't want to try it, it's cheating or that sort of thing. So that, that makes me sad. But whoever I can speak to, I will get try and get them into to at least try a squat suit, not necessarily right. a bench shirt, but try and put something on. Um, and I'm always open to helping people. Dean, Dean uh, where I train with Dean, we have people all over the country coming down just to put their their, their kit on i'm just not sure there's enough of that in, right. the, in the uk right so if you could if you could use our platform for a second and, and give a message to anybody who's listening and maybe is in the uk and, and thinking about equipped lifting what would you what would you want to tell them what where should they start where should they look who should they talk to um i think uh there's i mean there's a, a few good pages on facebook mm -hmm. um but honestly i mean Anybody who's on the British team now is having some sort of guidance via Dean. And I'm very close with Dean. He's my best friend. So I think I think getting in contact with myself directly or Dean or, you know, any of our powerlifting group, I would never, ever ignore a message if it's something to do with a quick powerlifting. So, so yeah, awesome. Facebook groups, anything like that. But honestly, I... And even I, I even like it when people send me a video and ask me to critique it. If I'm sat at home watching TV in the evening, there's nothing I'd like more than to watch that and 
and give us some tips because uh, honestly I, I would love a quick powerlifting to to get popular again yeah awesome yeah okay well um i think we'll head into our our sort of next segment unless ryan did you have any more questions no i think guys move on to gearhead okay cool so we'll go into our gearhead segment um and so we're gonna ask you a couple questions about the equipment that you use and what you like about it and 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 why maybe um so can you tell us a bit about your your preferred pieces of equipment and maybe some things that you kind of learned about uh finding the right piece of equipment for you over the years yeah so with my squat suit i started off in, in a second hand 28 not a super century and one down just the sen- the regular centurion just the regular cen- yeah. centurion um and that suit kept me going for years until in um in orlando i was warming up and it split up the side <laughs> and um so and that was really bad timing yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that sounds um, like really so, bad timing <laughs> yeah and I had that one for years, and I have it now, and I still don't want to get rid of it. But some, it's been stitched back up, and it could go to a better home. Um, uh, and now I squat in it in a super centurion. Um, and what I like is a black suit with black stitching, because I honestly believe the stitching affects the suit, the color of the stitching. Oh, okay. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, I, I think the red stitching doesn't make the suit as springy i think the red stitching gives the suit more give okay are you nodding at me like i'm crazy or are you nodding because you have had the same experience i don't think i've had the same experience okay (laughs) i'm not gonna say you're crazy but i have i have not had the same experience that i've noticed anyways okay so i specifically like the black with the black stitching um with the squat suit I'm very particular about where I want it on my legs. If it goes up too high, I get a little stressed. I actually have to take it off and put it back on again. So yeah. I put the suit on lower than it should be. And then mm-hmm. as I warm up, it kind of rides up to a certain level. After my second squat, I'm looking at my legs panicking, thinking it's too high. Um, but generally, I'm sure it's fine. It's just become a bit of a an, of a panic I have before sure. I go out for my yeah. um for my squats um for my bench shirt i started in an f6 um and i loved that shirt and um that was nice because it didn't it didn't it wasn't too tight it was nice and stretchy and like and oh. and i could still bench like 110 in it a couple of years ago or oh, no 120 actually and then now i'm in a angled sleeve scoop neck um i don't actually know what that is is the low cut collar yeah, low cut collar, katana, super katana. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've got two or three of those in the same size, thirty four. Um, and again, the color is very important. So the red, <laughs> the red shirts definitely give you more. Okay. So, um, so, but annoyingly, I put my red shirt in in the wash a couple of years ago, and it automatically went on to tumble dry. And I, I realized halfway through, and I got it out, and all of the um, all of the stickers had melted. Ooh. And oh. I was so upset. <laughs> um, and I was like, that's it, that shirt's, you know, that that's gone. Um, and then I wore that shirt when I benched 160. So 
so it was fine. It was just um, an unnecessary meltdown. Um, but I like that shirt. I like it on the elbow. I always that's where I like pretty I low. Test. Yeah, yeah, low on my elbow. I feel my elbows. Make sure it's touching my elbow. Um, I can always feel putting that shirt on. If it goes on twisted, um, I know it's not going to feel right. So I have to look at where the prints are on, on the arms and make sure, sure they're in exactly the right space, uh, sort of right sh space on my arm. And I also, I mean, you know, we just jack it down each time. Um, I don't. I don't touch any warm-ups in that shirt, in those shirts. Um, right. But the bench shirt is the one I feel most comfortable in. It's the one I'm never worried about on the day because I yeah. know it will, it will be okay. And if it's not, I think one of the biggest things about quick lifting is communicating with your coach cause, because if you don't tell them anything, they won't know. But I, I can feel when, well, if it's on at the right place, if it needs to come up the arm a bit more, if I need it pulled off my neck a bit more. Mm -hmm. So I think communication in a quick powerlifting is the most important thing. If you're not yeah. good at, you know, explaining to somebody, then you just have to suffer in silence, really. Um, yeah. And on a deadlift suit, oh, I don't, don't know what I've got. Don't, don't care. Really. A conventional deadlift <laughs> suit to sumo deadlift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got a couple of singlets that I put on if, if it's going horrendously. Um, <laughs> No, I think I've got um, a size. So I wear a 28 squat suit, but I wear a 32 deadlift suit. Okay. Because I like it nice and, and uh, loose. That's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not actually sure. A velocity. Uh, why stance velocity? I don't know. It's blue. So I'm not sure where my color theory is. And goes. is that the right color? Or... No. I, no. No. It's not ideal. It's not okay. ideal. <laughs> So maybe, I purple. To, uh, maybe purple yeah <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you really quick about the the bench shirt because obviously you're you're a big bencher like ryan said you were asked or over the world record I, over yeah over um but so when you when you say you jack down the shirt are you talking mostly about pulling the collar down um or are you talking about trying to like pull this the top of the sleeve down i've seen people kind of do both um i've seen that too but what's so? What's your go-to in terms of trying to um, like get a little bit more out of the shirt between attempts? Um, so the main thing is um, just at, jacking it down as much as I can, um, when, as much as Dean can, and then the belt goes on. The belt's quite tight, mm. um, but apart from that, I've never fiddled. I mean, you see some some people like Kevin Yeager. Uh -huh. You know, he's like all of his chest is out um and i've never really fiddled any more than just jacking it down because that works so just kind of pulling down on the main body yeah, of the suit just pulling down okay. yeah he uses his elbow to push down on the, yeah. on the main body of of the um of the shirt and then uh, for me i can sort of look down and see whether the chest panel's at the right place mm -hmm. um and yeah, like I said, it, it's just the one thing that all, I always managed to pull out the bag, even if I could have had two or three horrendous sessions in the shirt in the gym. Mm -hmm. And on the day, it always it always seems to be OK. I think I just um, I just and it never feels as heavy in, in your hands on the day. I don't know whether you guys have that. But in the gym, I think my wrist is going to snap off. And then on the day, I'm, I think, wow, I didn't even really feel that. 
So, um, but yeah, just jacking, jacking the shirt down, making sure the, the um, sleeves are in the right, right spot and the belt really nice and tight, really tight. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it sounds like you wear stock sizes. Um, do you do a lot of modifications to your gear or is it just basically what it is? It's what it, it's exactly what it is. I think squat suit wise, if, if I, if I went by the sizing guide, I'd be a 32, but I do get into a 28, but those first few sessions, I don't do anything in it. I just see how long I can sit or lie in the suit. And then, and that's all we do. So I, I've been to, I've driven cause my gym is an hour away. I've driven to the gym to lie in the suit. I've, I've sat at home watching TV in a suit, so I, I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. My stuff yeah. is not tight enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, I've never had anything custom because as far, I mean, I, I can't remember a competition really where I've, where I haven't felt like I've progressed in some way, shape or form. So as far as I'm concerned at the moment, if it's not broke, I, you know, if it's not don't try and change anything type it doesn't thing. have red stitching don't, <laughs> yeah, don't change I'll get it. it unpicked maybe the red so stitching is needed for deadlifts though maybe you need a black suit <laughs> with red stitching for deadlifts because it gives you a little more stretch yeah gets you in a position better it'll be the thing i mean I'll, don't you joke but i'll probably go away and try and buy this somewhere <laughs> <laughs> what's your thoughts on like gold stitching and silver stitching though that's the those are the important well, colors ryan likes well, bringing that up <laughs> also, Ryan, it just depends on the look you're going for. Because if your earrings are pink or whatever, you can't. You have to also try to match. Right. I've never coordinated my earrings with anything. So <laughs> I don't know if even I have. I don't have that many. I don't have that many colorful earrings though. <laughs> yeah. So okay. there, that, that's it, really. Uh, and also, you use uh, max RPM knee wraps, which I have to imagine. Someone has said to you, hey, we can use any other pair of knee wraps. You'll get more out of them. But but you stick with those. And, and I'm just wondering yeah. what, why you stick with and the Max probably, RPMs. What, 30 revolutions? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, because they just feel so nice on my knee. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they just, I mean, um, you know, when you're, when you're sat there and uh, there's one type of knee wrap I actually need to find out what it is they're they're yellow and red and the material oh. is so uh, so stiff it, you get them in the wrist wraps but oh they're they're the, so that's stiff. the gold signatures i think yeah oh my god i watched some uh somebody be wrapped in those and they were crying as the guy was wrapping them and i mean after Definitely i came the gold off that, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah after i came off that 217 squat all i could think about was how tight those knee wraps were so so um you know they 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 work for me they they feel nice i can take that sort of pain um mm. and although i tr really try not to be superstitious and i try not to have competition day pants or anything you know they they've worked for me they're the ones i did that lift in so just a little stitious yeah <laughs> a little bit like yeah, moderate stitious yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they work. I like them. <laughs> uh, just sticking with that for a second, sorry. All right, yeah. Uh, does Dean Dean wraps your knees then? He does, yeah. So, I mean, 
I it's it's difficult because everybody wants Dean to wrap their knees. Um, <laughs> in Dubai, he was. I don't. I'm sure he won't mind me saying this. He was a little heavier body weight wise, and I know it was absolutely killing him to rap. There was a few of us really close together, but I like the way he raps because he wraps right up my thigh. I don't want it too bunched up around my knee. Right. I want it to go right, right up and then back down. Um, okay. That's when it feels best for me. So he, yeah, I've never, I don't wrap my own knees um, because I don't ever train in kit really unless I'm with him. So he always wraps my knees. But um, but when you see there's some people and one person's holding the leg and the other person's like fanning them. Um, the seven-man Ukrainian rapping team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not um, yeah. I don't think that would that would be good for me. And the other thing I get panicky about. God, I sound like I'm really high maintenance, but I'm actually not on the day. <laughs> but the other thing I get panicky about is um, I hate it when they say bar loaded and I'm not completely ready because for me that minute I think that minute's going to go so quickly. So it has happened a few times where we've mistimed it. And he, and somebody, not necessarily Dean, I mean, I would prefer him to rap. I have been wrapped by other people. They've said bar loaded and I'm still having my knees wrapped. So not only am I stressed about timing out, then you're trying to think, you, you then have to switch from being stressed to actually focus on the, on the squat. So I like to be wrapped probably one lifter early. Yeah. And all good to yeah. go. I've had a few of those. Uh, <laughs> close calls too yeah yeah it's horrible isn't it not not my favorite but i'm pretty confident in those scenarios at this point um <laughs> and i may never load 390 on the bar ever again because um, <laughs> both times it was that weight uh oh, so oh really yeah yeah i don't know if that's just cursed or what but um <laughs> when it comes to your to your footwear i know that uh powerlifters love to talk about shoes um, do you prefer flats or do you prefer heels for squatting? Um, raw squatting heels, um, equip squatting flats. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And what's yeah. your, what's your sort of feel, uh, between the, the change there? Like what do you, do you try to squat fairly different, uh, between the disciplines, like between raw and equipped? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I used always one technique for everything, but as time's gone on, I mean, I, I started my equip squatting, squatting really wide, really mm -hmm. wide and in converse. Um, okay. but as time's gone on, I've, I've experimented with bringing my feet in narrow and I, and I felt pretty good like that. So I think I found a happy medium with my equip squat where it's somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, but, I've also had a sort of play around with my war squat and I tried the heels and I like the heels because I definitely feel like the squats way more in my quads. Mm -hmm. Um, and that feels powerful for me. Um, but the equip squat is not in my quads at all. It's all glutes and hamstrings. And I'm really trying to sit back and I'm really trying to hold that position nice and wide knees and everything at the bottom of the squat my equipped squat um but i i mean i'm now i'm now all of a sudden that wide stance war is catching up with the narrowest um narrow stance war okay. so they are they're catching up so 
that's really positive for me because if if that wide stance war catches up with what I was doing slightly narrower then in my head my equip squat is probably you know I'm in a stronger mm -hmm. position to push that weight up as well definitely so yeah, yeah. But I wear the Sabo deadlift shoes to squat because they're really nice and flat and I can feel exactly where the weight is on my feet. Right on, yeah. And I, I like that. Yeah, awesome. Um, our next little segment here, uh, unless Ryan, you had any more questions there? No, I think that's good. No? Okay. Uh, so our next, our next segment are questions from listeners. And also I have to give you an extra special thank you for making a post on your Instagram because I got a number more questions after you um, posted about that. So thank, yeah, thank you for being, again, just such a great podcast guest, studying and revising, uh, being ready, <laughs> making posts to help with uh, gathering questions. Very, very helpful. Thank you. Um, so the first one that we got was, uh, was people are interested to know how you've sort of adapted to the, the whole COVID-19 situation uh, in terms of adapting your training? Have you had to change much because of uh, lockdown, shelter-in-place kind of things? Uh, or what, is, what does that look like for you over the last, what is it now, two, three months almost? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was quite lucky. The, the weekend before lockdown happened, uh, my friend lent us his van. <laughs> he went and picked up a squat rack from the gym. So I had, I've got about 190 kilos of weight. And... Mm -hmm. um, and the, the rack um and i have that my mum's got a barn so i've put it all in this barn um so i've been going there and the, the training has been really good because i'm not under any time restraints at all mm -hmm. um i've still been working throughout the whole lockdown so um because where i work we haven't we haven't been able to close so i've still been working but but just it sounds bad but as when everybody sort of stopped doing anything yeah I just felt like my phone wasn't ringing I wasn't checking my emails because nobody was doing anything mm -hmm. and I felt like I was in a really good position to train for three to four hours yeah and just push and push and push and I think the biggest issue for me is because my life is quite hectic is always I've always got something after training because I'm trying to fit everything in, you know, I still want yeah. to, to have a normal life and I still want to go out for dinner and things. So for me, not having anything planned afterwards meant that I finished every single session and I did a bit more mm -hmm. and that worked really well for me. Um, obviously, annoyingly, I didn't have any, I've, I've, we've made a sort of cable machine with, um, with a pulley system, right? but I, you know, I, it's not quite the same. So right. some of the assistance exercises had to change. Your, your pumps um, have been lacking. My, yeah, basically. I've just, you know, <laughs> I've just had absolutely no pump. <laughs> I've not had even had a mirror to flex in. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so, so now we're getting to the real, the real the issues hardships, here. The hardships. <laughs> so I've just had to hope that I've kept the pump, really. But I'm... Um, <laughs> But no, so it, it was really, it was really good because I was just training and I could put everything into it and not mm. think, oh God, I have to text that person. But oh my God, I never replied to that or I never paid that bill or that type of thing. I was just a hundred percent into the session. Um, yeah. 
and and you also you have to be creative i mean i I, i've not had a program from dean partly because i haven't asked one and partly because he's been so busy with what he's been doing he works for the nhs so the national health service here so Mm -hmm. i didn't really want to be bothering him so i've been programming myself Uh um which which works um I still I try to add something in each session that I don't like because I think the key is to obviously try and get better at the things you don't like. So I've been trying to do lots of conventional deadlifts, lots of conventional banded deadlifts, things like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) things like that. Like what kinds of um, things would my coach program for me that I would never program for myself? Yeah, basically, yeah. Very mature outlook. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I've been doing. And it's it's just worked really well. I've just I've just loved it actually. And then, you know, all of a sudden things are restrictions are being lifted and then you just feel like you're creeping back into those habits of taking on too much work. Because I do do personal mm-hmm. training alongside my job. Um it's I'm there's a constant issue I'm having with wanting to take on more clients, but it's actually um, hindering the amount of time I have to train so I need to make better decisions I need to just I need to get better at saying no and saying actually because I always think my session is going to take two hours if I train with other people it takes four because I talk so much <laughs> All right, um, right. so <laughs> so yeah okay but cool. it's what it's it's working I, I've liked it and it's actually made me um, I've now taken a couple of steps. I'm going, I'm going to buy my own kit so that um, if the gym's open and there are still restrictions, I can still train, um, you know, without without being too hindered. Right. Yeah. So the next question we have um, is, how do you deal with the mental and emotional challenges of missing out on comps that you've trained hard for? Um, yeah, so that, that was actually tough. I, I'm not... I'm I'm generally a positive person, um, but this year, so I was supposed to be getting married this week in oh, Spain, wow. um, and that got cancelled. Um, so firstly, the Europeans got cancelled, and that was the one year that if I had done what I did in January, I mean, I, 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 I could be wrong, but I think I would have had a really good chance of winning, and I've mm-hmm. come second, like, I want to say three times now, which is really annoying. Um, so they cancelled that, and then they cancelled the World Bench in Pilsen. And I think I was in denial. I think even when it started to get serious, I thought, well, they're not going to cancel that because it's the World Bench. So, you know, that's quite a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was obviously getting apparent that everything was being cancelled. And then I had to cancel my wedding and and now there's talk of British powerlifting not sending a team away to Norway if it does go ahead. So I found that really tough. Um, and the, if I, I can honestly say if I didn't have access to that kit, I'm not sure I'd have kept up the momentum because you're seeing everybody you're competing against training. And mm-hmm. I think for me, that would have just been, it, that would have, it would have been really, really hard for me to get back into it. So I'm so pleased I've had that stuff. Um, but generally, yeah, it's been tougher than I thought. I, I, I was really upset about it one day. And my mum said, 
oh, you seem more upset about your competitions being cancelled than the wedding being cancelled. And I said, well, yeah, I am. Because you can get married at any time, but there's only, there's only so long that you're physically in this kind of, mm-hmm. like, condition. So, um, so I, I, was, I was really gutted by that. But I've, I've got a really close friend, Helen, who I, who I train with. And she, she doesn't take any crap from me at all. Even if I say, oh, Helen, my shoulder's a bit sore. She's like, shut up, carry on. So she, I phoned her and she said, um, Ellie, you've, we've just got more time to train. You're always complaining that you haven't had enough time to really prepare, usually because I do like a bodybuilding show or something. But you, you're always saying that you haven't had a clear run, but now you do. So use the time and actually all of a sudden it put everything to, into perspective there's nothing I can do about it so I really should just use this time to just get stronger and work on on the weaknesses so yeah initially I was gutted but now I've done a u-turn in my brain and I'm thinking no I think this this is good this is the time that I need to to squat 230 yes all right <laughs> that's the plan <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like as somebody who, like we, we covered earlier, you compete like six to eight times a year, um, you know, like seem to have a pretty good grasp of like, okay, this is a finite thing. So having that roadblock to those competitions that are, that seem to be really, you know, big, um, mentally and emotionally, like I can see how that would be a a bit of a struggle to, to try to navigate, but, um, yeah, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like you kind of have gain some good perspective and and hopefully that's feeling a lot better yeah i think so and then you know the other thing that comes with like a female of my age is is when to have when to try for a baby because it only dawned on me a couple of weeks ago that if i do decide to have a baby that's a that's a long time off powerlifting Mm -hmm. and i and that's not very fair because men don't have that um so it kind of it and then and then I thought to myself, I I really I really need to give this powerlifting the best shot I have. I need to I just I feel like I've still I still think I'm sixty percent, no, eighty percent of, of where I could be. So I have to I have to keep going until um till I've really got what I want from it. Yeah. I get that. Um Ryan, you know. So okay, so um, the next question we had was, uh, have you ever had any accidents while lifting? And I'll presume this doesn't oh. have anything to do with um, uh, prunes and dates. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Yes, I have. I have. I had a really bad accident. Um, I was in the gym with Aaron in Birmingham, and I had a, a banded setup. So the bands were hooked up over the rack pulled down to go underneath the deadlift bar yeah is that a reverse band reverse band yeah and um and i had a a bit of a moment and i leant over the bar and offloaded all the weight on one side forgetting the band tension uh and the bar came up and hit me straight in the bottom of the chin and I, I thought I'd lost my teeth initially, so I, I ran over to the mirror to see if I 
still had my teeth and I did. Um, but it, it was just horrendous because my coach, he saw it in like slow, like it was kind mm -hmm. of slow-mo and he Ooh. was telling me like, stop, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stop doing that. But I was in a bit of, I was on a bit of a mission, ticked all the plates off really quick. And uh, yeah, that, that was, that was a shock. Um, and I have um, fainted deadlifting once. Yeah. Did anybody but, catch you or did no. you? Like prevent no, you from I, hitting your head on something or anything like no, that? No, I fell forwards. Oh, okay. okay. So that's that's painful because your shins obviously mm. hit the bar. Mm -hmm. Um and um and then I had I I I think it was lack of oxygen to the brain. I had a, sort of a small convulsion. Um and um and then in the gym that I was training at it was a high performance center, there was a one minute delay video, so you could watch everything you done back a minute after so everybody ran over to the screen and watched it again. <laughs> you're so, still lying there but they're yeah. like oh we're gonna get in line we're gonna get a good spot to see the yeah. instant replay here yeah basically yeah, that reminds but me of that, uh, yeah. at our junior worlds uh billy bueller canadian lifter uh 120 i think he or 105 maybe he fainted over the bar straight straight over down hard out it was pretty like you're not really sure like what's like, is something serious here? Like, yeah, it was yeah. pretty scary. Do, well, do you like... remember that? The, um, was it the Worlds in Pilsen? Let me look at my sheet. In uh, 2017. <laughs> um, do you remember that guy, the American guy who fainted? Mm -hmm. I think his knee wraps had been on too long. Oh, yes. Um, you... Who was that? Greg? Was it Greg? Yeah, Johnson? I think it was Greg Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, they just put the IPF um, banner they over. They pulled the banner out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, that was horrendous. But me and my buddy Jack, we just kept imagining like a little angel, like flying out. You know, it was like, <laughs> Up it was behind so, the curtain? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was horrendous. But, but yeah, there's, there's, there's always something. That was the same competition where that Ukrainian squat suit mm -hmm. split. Right, yeah. And that I think Eichland, Eichland passed out that meat too. At least yeah. once, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I remember in the same audience, all those super heavyweights, nobody getting a squat in. Do you remember? There was I, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I, oh. I was one of them. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I got my third though. So, <laughs> so <laughs> but that do you, do you remember the board was just red. Uh huh. Oh, that was, that was I, I recall that. Yeah, it's Speaking familiar. of recurring nightmares. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, there was also uh, 2017 Nationals. I don't know if you remember this, Ryan, but Mike McDonald passed yes. out at the top of his deadlift. 2016 Nationals in Regina. Was it 2016? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting mixed up. But he passed out at the top of his deadlift, got the down command, unconscious as he set the bar down, but kept his hands on it till it hit the floor and then went over it and got white lights and carried off the platform. Yeah. And his coach put in his next attempt before he came out to help him. <laughs> yeah. 40 yeah. kilo jump. Yeah. yeah. He, he was out pretty hard. He was out yeah. pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so the next, the next sort of a listener question we got here um, was what has been your biggest obstacle as a female power lifter? Um, my biggest obstacle, mm, I don't, I don't know if I've had, 
I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm trying to promote equipped lifting, but I honestly, I can't think of anything, anything really obvious that that's been an obstacle for me. Um, I mean, there's been a couple of times when I've wondered whether I, I had a bad experience at the Arnold's. Okay. In let me look at my sheet. <laughs> 2017. Okay. Um, where I bombed and then and you sort of you kind of come back from that and the that was quite emotional and and I guess I guess that's an obstacle in some ways but generally I can't actually I can't actually think of anything that's really been I honestly can't think of anything negative actually from from what I've what I've been doing if I'm completely honest I, I mean I'll have a I'll, I'll still carry on thinking about it if I think mm-hmm. of something I will I'll let you know uh, so I think you might have referred to this a little bit earlier, but uh, do you have any competition rituals or lucky items? Uh, I um, lucky pants. Um, Somebody specifically mentioned lucky pants in the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, rituals. Apart from there always being something that I'm underprepared for. Um, I mean, the morning of. I'll, I always, I like, the one thing I do bring with me is my breakfast cereal, Alpen. It's just like a nice sugary cereal that I like. I'll always have a cup of tea because that's what I do in, you know, every day of my life I wake up and have a cup of tea. So right. wherever I go, I'll have, a, I'll have a cup of tea. But other than that, um, any competition day rituals, no, um, uh, the night before I go for all my lifts in my head, I use visualization a lot. Uh, all the way to the venue I'll be going through every lift um visualizing it um other than that no no not not loads I try not to have music I try not to have headphones or anything just in case I forget it one time and then I think I'm thrown off so I, I and I on my setups are not specific um I mean, there probably are things that I do, but nothing that obvious that I think if I don't do it, it, it won't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, no, not really. I try and stay away from things like that just in case it, it doesn't happen or it gets thrown off. And then I've got another excuse as to why it didn't go my way that day. Right. So you almost yeah. actively try to avoid those kinds of things. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Cause as the, opposed. The... Sorry, I was going to say as opposed to people who... Yeah try to set up those excuses preemptively, right? Like, <laughs> oh, they didn't have orange Gatorade for me. So that was it. It was game over. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's just, yeah, it's just another thing that could go wrong. So best case scenario is I, as I don't, I don't do any of that. I mean, even when I lift, I, I, I'm quite chatty. I'm always trying to, to talk to the person next to me, even if they don't want to. Um, <laughs> and I just, for me, what works is the really relaxed, everybody's having a good time. And actually, even when I, if I haven't done something very well, I get over it, you know, Dean, uh, there's no pressure on me to really, to, uh, we're all just there. It's a hobby at the end of the day. I'm not getting paid for it. So it just has to be a, a completely positive experience. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really big. Um, and the last question we got from our listeners was, which makes you more nervous, 
A, setting up under a 160-kilo bench, or B, watching your own lifters compete? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, watching my own lifters. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. It's it's so scary. Um, I, yeah, I just... I go through all their emotions, um, and I think because... I would I would probably suggest that more work goes into them than a hundred and sixty kilo bench. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, so so and I'm I'm obviously in control of that, but I don't know how the nerves have affected them. I can only ever try and and say things to calm them down, but but it's not natural for everybody to be relaxed when they compete, and I'm I'm so nervous. But the most terrifying thing, Ryan, I don't know whether you get this. But Chris, my partner, he's done a couple of bench press competitions and I feel physically sick. <laughs> I yes. get so nervous. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible. Coaching other people in the first place is terrible. Mm. It's yeah. just so nerve wracking. But coaching your partner is just a whole other level, right? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 Especially especially if they don't have a good day. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. 100%. It's so hard to because like, at least if I'm lifting, I'm in control. And, you know, when I'm not lifting, it's like I have little controls of little things, right? Like here I can give her, uh, here's this food you should eat right now. And here's water, drink this. And, but beyond that, like, I don't have a lot besides helping pick attempts, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely hard. Yeah. But more then exhausting. You've, you've helped pick that attempt and there's so much riding oh, on yeah. it and you yeah. feel 100% completely responsible for whether or not the person, your partner makes that attempt because you had some say in picking the attempt. Oh yeah, I, I or all being, of the say in some cases. I hate being a single coach. I always love having a second person to bounce ideas off of. Because yeah. not very often do I do I talk to Ray about attempts. Like it's mostly she's on her own. But yeah. like I, there's times where I'll be at in Dubai and I'm like texting her brother. Like, right? Is this the right? Like, what do you think of this? What like you know? Because he's you know he's had more time even to look at score sheets. So like. Right. Or watch other lifters where if, whereas lots of times I can't see other lifters. So yeah. Well it's... if you're if you're wrapping knees and stuff, like that's a whole yeah. other ball game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh so we're gonna dive into some common questions that we kind of finish off each episode with. We ask these to everyone. And the first one is what is the highlight of your lifting career so far? Um the highlight is probably Probably doing that 217 squat in Dubai. Um, and I mean, it was a weight that back when I did my first ever Worlds in 2014. Um, it's a, a weight that I never, ever thought that I could even have on my shoulders. So walking away from that, doing it, doing it well. Um, and just, I, I, I mean, make, Aaron and Dean both coach me together sometimes. And I want to do it for them much more than I want to do it for myself because I know how much, you know, they've, they've put into it. So turning around, seeing them, um, and neither of them are, are the most, like, open people. They, they sort of, you know, give me a thumbs up and I think, oh, I've made them proud. Um, that, <laughs> that, for me, is, was probably the highlight because it was just a weight I never, ever thought I'd do. And I did. Definitely awesome. that. Awesome. I just want, I two, want to take a second. 30s next, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to take a second. I, re I really, especially if you're watching this, but I really wish all of our guests had a cheat sheet 
Because every time she goes to answer questions, she looks over at her cheat sheet. And it's just In awesome. 2014. <laughs> I'm just prepared. Be prepared. No, it's, yeah. No, yeah. it's great. Do your revisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to counterpoint that, um, what would be one of your lowest points of your lifting career so far? And further to that, what might have you have learned from that experience? Um, 2017, the first and only time I've ever bombed at the Arnold in Ohio, and I bombed on the deadlift. I did a British record squat at the time, a British record bench press, and I went out, tried to pull my first deadlift, and um, I couldn't lock it out. Same thing, forward, leaning forward. Second one, I lost my grip. Third one, there was only six of us, I think, in the round, um, third attempt, I tried to get the suit off and I didn't get it off in time and they called bar, bar loaded and, and I couldn't get it over my legs because it was just, it oh, just no. wasn't coming off. So I timed out. So I was going to, I was oh. going to take the suit off and pull war because I knew I could, I knew I could pull that weight war. So that was gutting and and I was really upset because I, I, we'd flown all that way. My mum comes with me to everything and she was in the audience and just that the crowd at the Arnold's is mm. unbelievable and you're on such a big stage and to lose it on the deadlift, which is, to, you know, you like to think that you can't, you shouldn't bomb out on the deadlift. There's probably less to go wrong, I think. So, um, so I was pretty gutted by that and then I remember reading because it was really dark behind the screen at the Arnold's it's quite a small warm-up room there wasn't much space it was dark mm -hmm. I remember wheeling my suitcase over to a little corner and then still trying to get my deadlift suit off on my own until this really friendly American man I'd never seen before said do you want a hand I was like yes please so he had to sort of this guy I'd never seen before was trying to get me out of my my suit um and then walking round and then my mum just said are you okay and and I, and and then I wasn't I was until then and then I wasn't because it right. just felt like so much money time effort had been had been wasted um and what was the second part of the question what would I uh, did you learn anything from that experience um Clearly not, because we're still having the same <laughs> issues. Um, I think, I think, oh yeah, I did learn something from that, actually. It was the first time ever I'd sort of tried to do a bit of a build-up for social media. I thought, oh, let's see if I can get people on board with this journey. Um, and that made it even harder when I, when I did mm. one. You know, I built it up more than I normally would have. And then so for, so for people follow my prep for me to then not deliver felt felt rubbish to then have to do the post to say ah oh, unfortunately I didn't get a deadlift and although everybody's so nice about it they're so nice and in, in some ways I'm sure it makes you more relatable as a lifter because they're like you know but it just it just felt it was just awful and I just felt like I'd let everybody down and you know it doesn't help but the Arnold's is like sometimes money involved mm -hmm. and you just think um you just yeah it, it, it was just gutting really um but 
but I don't know, like everything, like I don't dwell on it. You just move on. You just, you know, it's just one of those things. I just, um, just don't want to be in that situation again, really. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, oh, and um, the next, the next Arnold's, I fell over when I deadlifted. I got to the top, and and I could feel myself tipping, and you know, there's nothing you can do at the yeah. top, falling yeah. backwards in a deadlift. So it was just like, like again, <laughs> slow mo. Just... <laughs> just, just wait for the down command and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Um, so for you, who have been some of your, your biggest inspirations? Um, and it doesn't need to be powerlifters per se, but obviously you've been competitive. You've been an athlete a long time. Uh, there's probably a bunch of different things that have kind of inspired you. Can you think of some of those main influences or those main sort of inspirations along the way? Yeah, I'm, I think there's been a few people like with every sport I've done, I've, I've always I've been lucky enough to have a coach that I've worked well with. I mean, I know I take instruction well, so I, I, I don't argue with anybody that has ever coached me or trained me as far as I'm concerned. They're my coach. They know best. Mm. Um, so, so I've always been good at that, which has meant I've built some really good relationships with anybody that's coached me, whether it was judo, powerlifting, um, my first ever personal trainer, you know, when you're just getting into the gym, I've, I mean, they're the people that have obviously all all contributed to the mindset I have now, which I'm really grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of powerlifters, there's a few. There's a little fi- the 52 uh, from Ecuador, Vilma or Vilma uh, Ochoa. Yeah, yeah, with the ridiculous squat. I, I like. Mm-hmm. I just I like the way she conducts herself. Um, there's another Norwegian powerlifter, Aline. 63 again I just you just see some lifters and you you don't even know them but you know you'd sort of get on well with them and you just like the way uh, just just they're just respectful on the platform there's no mm-hmm. there's no throwing of anything or you know I, I like that I, I personally I, I like the people that fail and get up and it's you know it's not they kind of brush it off. Um, yeah, a lot. There's there's lots of powerlifters I look up to. I, I like um, Anki, the girl from the Netherlands. Anki Timmers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's nice, um, and I, I respect all of them as powerlifters. But my biggest inspiration probably would have to be Dean because he's been in the game for so many years. He's mm-hmm. still, you know, he he's had. I was with him actually when he really hurt his knee. We were messing around on on this wall in Denmark, and he fell off it. And um, and he really busted his knee, and then he had to have surgery on that, and then he had to have surgery on his shoulder. There's all these things he's done, and he always comes back to the sport. And right. he, you know, he is just he's there. He's the last one there, clearing up, tidying up from a divisional competition. Right. He's the he's the one that's there in the morning, setting up the TV screens, all those things that nobody else wants to do. Well, him him and and the guys, you know, the other. Powerlifters that I train with, Jack, Dave, Kira, Jordan. They they all they all do do the same job. But but he's just always the one that's there till the end. And he's always in the gym the last, you know, till ten o'clock at night with somebody who might only be squatting fifty kilos. But he's there and he's pushing them on and he's replying to messages. 
Um, so yeah, I just, I just, I've never known anybody that's devoted their whole life to a sport like he has. So yeah. I, 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 I like that. I, re- I really respect that. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of, a lot of respect to be had for that kind of longevity in the sport, not only as an athlete, but in, in the amount of, of giving back somebody does. I think that's Definitely. really, really telling for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, so the next question we would have is, uh, what's one piece of advice you wish you could give yourself when you were just starting out? Um, just probably to believe a bit more, you know, just, um, we've got this thing that if, if Dean says I can do it, that means that I can do it. Like it's a bit of a joke, but if he says, he said to me, you're going to squat 217 right the day before Dubai. And I was like, you, my friend are crazy. <laughs> and, um, and then I did it. Um, so, so he's always, always him and Aaron have always had a bit more belief in me than I did. And it's just keep, just, just probably to do what I've done. Just keep plugging away at it. Don't, don't get thrown off. St- um, still enjoying. I've still gone on lots of holidays. I've, I've still, I went, I went to Ibiza the weekend before the Western European cup. I lifted well, there was no pressure on me. I enjoyed it. So, so just, just to keep keep that mindset really but most of all to believe that I could I could do it because um because you know it, it hard work pays off really yeah I think that's a good thing for a coach to be able to I, I always I say this to some people sometimes that I'm not going to put a weight on the bar that I don't think you can do like, yeah that's one, exactly what he says I'm 100% setting yeah. you up for success yeah and uh, so you need to believe that I believe yeah 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 yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's always what I think. I think he wouldn't put this. He wouldn't put this weight on the bar. If he didn't one hundred percent believe I could do it. So, yeah, yeah. that's comforting. Unless it's that third deadlift stretch, you know, you're like yeah, <laughs> you're going for it. You know, let's go for a seventeen kilo yeah. jump and just see what happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's necessary, though, isn't it? If it, yeah. if it comes to the totally. end and yeah. you yeah. put it on the bar, you have to put it on the bar. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that that like. Uh... That trust, I think, is is something that takes a lot of time to build, but it, it builds so much buy-in and then I think kind of feeds back into what you're talking about there where because you believe in him, you now believe in yourself because he believes in you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly Interesting, Interesting dynamic. Yeah, it'd be um, interesting to like research that. Yeah, mm. yeah. What is, uh, what's, what's one raw lifter? you'd love to see get into equipment. Do you have anybody that comes to mind? Yeah, well, technically, I don't want her to because she'd beat me. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, probably, well, when I'm done, when I'm retired, right. I would like Bobby Butters, the other British uh, 57 kilo lifter. She squats like 170 raw, maybe more, with ease. So... Yeah, I mean, she would be pretty incredible. But you know what? She's good at the war stuff. So let's just keep her there for a little bit. <laughs> um, but she would, yeah, she, she'd be great to see. Great to see in Kit. So but awesome. hopefully she doesn't listen to this. I hope she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and our last goal or our last question would be, uh, do you have any concrete goals that you're kind of working for right now? Um, yes. So, um, I would like to say, I mean, I would love to squat 230. I think that would, that would just be 
um, yeah, I, I mean, when I think of what the 222 felt like, it's, it, I could, I could do it. Um, I'd like to bench 165, maybe, that would be pretty cool. Um, and I just love to get my third deadlift because if I did that as a subtotal, if I mm -hmm. just got my third deadlift, I'd be right up there. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I do want to win. I do want to win a world championship. So I, I do want to do that. I, and I don't mind if it's next year, two years time, two years time, or if I have a baby, I've decided I will definitely come back into the sport because so many people have done it and that's quite inspiring in yeah. itself. So I, I, I do really, really want to do it. And, and also I asked my mum once if I win the worlds, would she hire a nightclub for me to have a party? She said, yes. So <laughs> I, I always thought that would be cool. You guys can come if you want to. Perfect, sure. As long as there's <laughs> bowls of prunes and dates strewn about the <laughs> nightclub for everybody to enjoy. <laughs> prune juice. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some, some prune juice cocktails. and Yeah, vodka and prune juice, you know. <laughs> Just normal stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I mean, that's pretty much what we've got, but uh, uh, I know we kind of talked briefly about if anybody is interested in, in the UK and getting into equipped lifting, uh, where can they where can they find you, reach out to you for, for personal training or advice or just to kind of follow along with your journey? Um, so um, Facebook, I'm just Ellie Steele. Uh, my Instagram is Ellie freaking Steele. Um, Which I love, and, by the way. I love it. And, and I will gladly... Um, answer any questions um i've got my 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 own powerlifters they would probably like it if they had had a shout out so it's helen sure. yvonne denise mandy ying and leah they're all part of my my little crew um and yeah i mean anybody at, at, like still powerlifting we call ourselves if anybody wants to be a part of it or e even they just want a critique on one video just get in touch with me i, I will I will always, 100%, I promise I'll reply. Awesome. Cool. Um, well, thank you very much for agreeing to spend part of your evening there. Yeah, it's evening. With us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. for bringing your beautiful cats on the show. Yeah, Holly's falling asleep. <laughs> but, yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. I was, I was really honored to be asked, and I'm like, I'm just really happy that I can, um, yeah, ho hopefully, even if I motivate one person, you know. Yeah, I think, great. and I, that's, I mean, that's a big part of why we want to do this, right, is, is yeah. to try to make equipped lifting more accessible and, and understandable yeah. and that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for, thanks for sharing your, your success and your wisdom and, and, uh, all that kind of stuff with us today. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. Really good. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks guys. All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. We're going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. So make sure to leave your five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review as well and or check out our video version of the show on our YouTube channel. If you have any questions for ourselves, guest suggestions, or questions for our guests, you can go ahead and contact us at equippedbruisedtired at gmail.com and make sure to do your part to spread the word of the equipped renaissance. We'll see you next time.